0: Drive the amazing golf ball uh, guy. Welcome everybody to another episode of Golf Picks with the Plotniks, presented by Bet the Farm Podcast. I am Dino the Pig, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother, the other half of the Plotnik family, Jared the Farmer Plotnik. Jay Pleasy. what's Gucci?
1: Yo, what's up, man? Uh, you know. Just coming off another second-place finish. Just the, the new norm recently, really, when it comes to golf. But we don't sweat it. It means the process is still, still going well. And, and you know what? I haven't hit a major winner, I think, in a couple of years. So I'm what you would call hashtag do. So let's do it. Wasn't the one that you
0: took a live bet, though, last week? Who'd you have as a pony?
1: What, last week?
0: Yeah, at the Byron Nelson. You said you had a runner-up pick. You, you bet somebody pre-tournament? Uh,
1: Brian Palmer. I guess he was two – all right, so he was in fifth place, my bad. But he was uh, – okay. Right, I mean, he was leading after the second round. He was there. If he didn't implode on um, Saturday, uh, then he would have won the tournament. But that's why you play 72 holes. And that's what you get for questioning me again. Sorry, it wasn't runner-up. It, was it wasn't was questioning. Of- I was
0: asking. I said – I was wondering. I don't remember who you took that was in contention. I, I mean, the runner-up was Jordan Spieth, so I was confused. 150 to one bomb and Ryan Palmer. Yeah, when we talked through it and you were like, oh, he's the worst putter ever. Oh, I just convinced myself to bet on him, which (laughs) it almost didn't make sense. But hey, he made a run. It was part of that Texas narrative that we discussed, the native narrative. So Byron Nelson, yeah, quick recap. KH Lee dominates. Jordan Spieth makes a run throughout the week, is in contention, but wasn't enough. KH Lee has what we call hashtag stones. But that course played way too easy. We called that going into it. It going to be an absolute birdie fest. My lone pony was Joaquin Niemen, who was within three shots of the lead heading into Sunday, and he just could get nothing going on Sunday. The story of my year, but guess what? It's major season, and we are on to the PGA Championship this week. Your defending champion, Phil Mickelson, who will not be in the field this week due to probably changing tours to the LIV Saudi tour. So he is still not playing on the PGA tour. Nobody's heard a word from him in months, but here we go. PGA championship. It's, it's the second major of the season. We're heading to Southern Hills country club in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This course is going to play like an absolute beast. We're looking at about a 7,500 yard par 70 on bent grass greens. Your architecture is Perry Maxwell and the fairways are on Bermuda uh, grass. And unlike the masters where the top 50 may and ties make the cut this week is almost, it's actually worse than a regular PGA tour event. The PGA tour of America is the only one that kept the top seventies. Well, actually, sorry. I I, I take it back. This is just a little bit better, but it's top 70 and ties after 36 holes it's a 156 man field so this reminds me of like i said that's what i was really getting at was the pga tour of america kept the old pga tour rules from three years ago before they changed it to top 65 in ties they kept they're keeping it at top 70 so not going to be as easy to make the cut this week as it was at the masters so something that you'll definitely want to factor in when it comes to you know matchups and dfs and things of that nature but now, on this podcast, what we do is we pick winners and try to give you guys the best handicaps about the course, about the event, about the field. So that being said, I'll talk a little bit more about the course and some of the previous winners and things that we can draw off of to make good decisions for our betting card this week. But initial thoughts on this year's PGA Championship.
1: Yeah, should be a, another typical the PGA Championship venue, a <clears throat> little bit of bloodbath. I think it's going to be a little harder than uh, most of these courses from all the things we are reading. Uh, going to be a little long, but as usual, importance on hitting greens. They're saying uh, if you miss these greens, you're going to have a lot of rotten-shaped areas, runoffs. Ball is uh, going to be running down. You're going to It's going to be tough to get up and down. So going to be looking at a lot of guys with good short games uh, and really, really good iron play. Um, and of course, length never hurts, right? Length never hurts. So I mean, it's always a little harder to handicap these courses when uh, you're going in naked, uh, you're going in blinds, you've just never seen them before. I mean, the last they held one here a while ago, but I didn't bet on golf back then, and it was a different game back then. So uh, to me, it's essentially a new course, and uh, you can only go off of what you've heard from people that have played it or seen it, or what some of these players have been saying in their uh, interviews today. So. Um, but yeah that's kind of what i'm looking at this week
0: yeah so you kind of touched on what i was going to talk about next which is when have we ever seen southern hills been played so it's, can we draw any information off of that and the notable events that we've got from southern hills is the 2021 senior pga championship last year alex cheka Actually won that event, but that was on the senior tour. So we do have a little bit of insight from caddies and things of that nature that we could draw off of. And but the problem is that played about four to five hundred yards shorter than they'll play it on the PGA tour. So it's definitely going to play a lot different. Besides that, I mean, we're going back to the 2010s. Uh, Benny on as a US amateur won it in 2007. The last time this was played on the PGA tour, Tiger Woods won it, and it was it was also a PGA Championship. But he absolutely dominated that event. And then 2001, Retief Goosen, that was the, uh, the prior time that this was played as a PGA Tour event. Uh, that was actually a U.S. Open. So let's talk a little bit more about the course itself. Like I mentioned, this was played as a PGA Championship in 2007. The problem with drawing anything off of that is that in 2019, the entire course was redesigned by Gil Hunt. I, I'm really bad at pronouncing names that look funky to me. Hands, I think it is. I'm not that familiar with them. I'm not an architecture freak like some of the other sharps out there, but um, I still can do my due diligence and make sure that I give you guys the best information. So the main changes that they added to the course, they added some new tee boxes, so they're going to be able to adjust the yardages, cut down some of the trees, they widen the fairways, so a little bit easier to hit fairways, but I I... I'd still say that you need to hit fairways because the rough is going to be a bit penile. A lot of the players in their interviews this week are already talking about you got to hit fairways tiger when he won it in 2007 club down a lot of the times hitting irons off tees. So you may see a lot of that this week. They cut off the edges of the greens, which creates runoffs and then they rip out a lot of the rough there. So the runoffs go into really flat fairway grass. So you're basically chipping off of fairway grass, but around the greens and a lot of these greens are undulated. So they're like uphill and that's going to create some really interesting around the green play. So you discussed how important around the green play is going to be. I think it's paramount. I think that's the most important thing that you're hearing from the players this week, from caddies this week. And obviously based off of what we know about what, how they redesigned the course, that's going to be really important as well there's a Creek that runs through the course. So there's some hazards in play, but not much. The, I talked about the undulated greens, the greens should be running at about a 10 stimp this week, which isn't as fast as maybe people would think. I think that probably a little bit lower almost than PGA tour average, but the greens are so undulated and they've got so many Hills that if you're putting down a Hill at a 10 stimp and it's going to be a triple breaker, you know, good luck with that. So putting, being a good putter, especially on bent grass greens, it's going to be definitely extremely important this week. There's three par threes over 200 yards. So long irons definitely going to be something to factor in. As I mentioned, it's a par 70. So there's only two par fives, neither of them which are technically reachable, especially from what we're hearing so far. The par five fifth plays 650 yards. So that's an automatic layup hole, which also factors in, guys that are good with their wedges because they're going to be laying the ball up guys that are going to be really good from you know that 75 to 100 yard or 75 to 120 yard approach play so their wedge play it's going to be something to factor in we've got five holes between 350 and 400 yards which are shorter par 4s so that's another thing to factor into the wedge play and then there's five holes between 450 and 500 yards which is another reason to factor in the long iron play. So those are two things that I'm looking at. It creates a mix of wedge play and long iron play. So the key here is finding fairways because there's a lot of club down options and it's really just getting to your number around the greens as well. The bunkers, they kept the bunkers as they were when they did the redesign, but they're extremely deep and they're in tough spots. So that's going to require extreme precision out of the bunker. So short game general is going to be massive, but also factor in, um, how, there's a lot of bunkers on the course. So you're going to have to be a good bunker player as well. So my prototypical golfer this week is going to be a guy that hits fairways. I think that distance certainly helps, but I'm not just looking at distance. I want to find guys that are good, just generally off the tee. So guys that are going to gain off the tee. But, I mean, that's not like a regular tour event because guys can gain off the tee but hit it, you know, deep and into the rough. This week, I'm definitely going to want guys that are really good at hitting fairways, great wedge players and long iron players, guys that are great with a short game and that putt well on fast bent grass greens. Woof. I always love giving my course breakdown. I should like, just like we do on bet the farm podcast, the slowest two minutes for you for your soccer thing. I should have a slowest two minutes for my course breakdowns because it's a lot of information, but Hey, you do what you got to do. When it comes to the weather this week, we are looking at a pretty windy week. So to speak is that's what we're hearing. But I also listened to a podcast that it's infamous for people that work there or live there to say similar to how we are in South Florida, that you cannot predict Tulsa, Oklahoma, weather. it's just not possible. Similar to us in South Florida, you can't predict it. You could show 70% of rain in the morning and then in the afternoon, it's perfect out. So just, uh, it's going to be hard to predict, but we're seeing 10 to 20 mile per hour wind so far Friday morning. We're looking at wind gusts that can get as high as 30 to 40 miles per hour. And Thursday and Friday, it's going to be about in the 70s to 80s, whereas Saturday and Sunday it's going to drop a big dip in the temperature, about 50s and 60s. So balls may not run out as far. We're also, there is there is a chance for some rain Saturday morning, but uh, it looks slim. So that being said, let's jump right into our betting cards for the week. I mean, this is just it's the field of all fields. It's a major. So at the top of the board, we're looking at Scotty Scheffler at about 12 to one, depending on where you look. And when I say all these, just, you know, obviously it's going It's a pen. John Rahm at 14. Rory at 16. JT is dipped to 18. Spieth as well at 18. Can'tley, Morikawa and Cam Smith are around the 20 to 22 range. And then you get to Xander, Hovland, Hideki and DJ in that 25 to 30 range. So let's talk about the 10 to 30 range as we start our cards. And, and you tell me where you, uh, where you looked, what you couldn't pull the trigger on, but you wanted to, and then what you ultimately ended up deciding. To well, do. just a
1: quick step back, just to clarify here. So based off what you said, and I know you said unpredictable, but then you give a forecast. Would you say that you think, I mean, I'm reading on some places, some people say there's going to be an AMPM PM um, weather advantage. Because on Friday morning it's supposed to be windier than it's going to be on Thursday morning. Would you say that holds up with your um, the forecast you saw, or would you? It say does. It does. Matter? So,
0: I'm, it depends on tea time. So, like uh, what I see on Friday morning, and I use Windfinder, which is technically one of the you know the best weather radars out there because yeah. it's it's extremely you know specific, but. If I go look at that, I'm looking at Friday morning winds at, let's say it starts at 10 because these guys are teeing off at nine. Then we're looking at 33 miles per hour with gusts, with gusts. And then you're, and then, but at, but at 1 PM, which these guys are teeing off around one or two, it gets to 20, but then by 4 PM it's at nine. So yeah, absolutely. There's a, a big shift. But on the other hand, what I would say is on Thursday, at 10 a.m., I see 20 miles per hour with Gus, and at 4 p.m., it's only 25. So I don't see there's not much of a discrepancy on the the waves from Thursday a.m. Yes, so I mean, so p.m. Friday, like a but a. It, it's
1: a. M. M. advantage.
0: Sort of. I mean, yeah, of course. If you if if Friday if you wake up Friday and you're you were in the p.m. in the afternoon and look, it's going to be it. But that's my point. Is like if you played the Friday on Thursday afternoon. Sorry the. The afternoon on Thursday, it wasn't that much different than the Thursday morning wave. Whereas you're you're just gonna get screwed on the Friday morning wave, as it as it seems right now. Okay, well I guess that's something to
1: keep an eye on. But um, I mean, that sounds like what you just said holds up with some of the things I've been reading. Uh, that AM PM are gonna have a bit of an advantage to start off with. But Five nice you know so Maybe
0: this time Tiger will actually get. Uh... the advantage because they got they got at the masters they got screwed this year he goes
1: off in the a.m he always is going off in the a.m and majors why because they want him in prime time on friday when people get off work so no i know
0: but i'm saying at the masters this year the friday p.m wave got screwed Mm -hmm. and the friday and the thursday a.m got a little bit screwed because of rain
1: yep yep so all right fast forwarding back to your question originally process in the 10 to 30 range um I mean, look, it's been burning me. It's burned me four times this year. I'm not taking Scheffler. Um, I, I mean, Rom is kind of tempting. I was really talking about him, but um, not someone that I really have my eyes on this week. A couple, Only a couple guys I gave a real – I've been giving a look to under 20-1 to one were JT and Spieth at 17 and 18-1. to one. I'm still kind of eyeing them, uh, as I've been talking about, is that I don't really like going under 20, but – for here, I mean, I think it's a good opportunity to potentially go under with one guy. Cause look, how many times do the studs win? Majors, most of the time. But with that being said, I think that we're gonna get a stud a little later, uh a, a stud down the board at a better number that I like. So um yeah. well, before that, you get to I your mean, pick.
0: What? Sorry. I said before you get to your pick, because I think you're probably about to get there. Yeah. You talked about uh, Rom at 14. My thing about Rom, because I know no one's talking about him, is like this just doesn't seem like a good course fit because it seems like it's going to be a really frustrating course, and he's a head case. He just is. I mean, I know he's a major champion at this point, but – he's not a guy that when scores are going to be around even par, which is what people are expecting that things go well, because, you know, one putt breaks the wrong way, or he tries to chip up a hill and it rolls back at him. He he just kind of loses it. And it's guys like him, guys like Terrell Hatton that I'm just kind of fading this week for that reason.
1: Yeah. So um, that said, I honestly, I've only have like 75% of my card uh, done. I'm still, I saved a bullet. I mean, I talked about this last week at, On Tuesday afternoon, it's especially in a major when you're going to have drift on some guys, a lot of drift, which we'll already get to where you get a handful of guys that get really popular, they pop up and then a couple guys that you may like behind the scenes that drift down. So I actually didn't start my card until 30 to one with someone that drifted down talk about a disrespectful number. And I'm starting my card for now with none other than Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson, yes, sex shot. Dustin Johnson, look, I think I have a hot take here. Next player to win the career Grand Slam is going to be Dustin Johnson. That means, uh, and that's a really hot take when uh, considering that I, I am debating Spieth, and he would get it if he wins this week. But he only has two tournaments to go uh, here and at the Open. And look, he's just checking all the boxes for me this week, and it's behind the scenes to the point where I've gotten some drift. On him, I mean, he opened, I believe, at like 22, and nobody is talking about him. Just absolutely nobody. Um, and I think that's just because look, there's look at all the the names around him. I mean, all the names are just elite. So I understand why he's drifting. You got Hideki who played amazing last week, Xander who made a run last week. Those two jumping ahead of him on the odds board, and he didn't play, so he's just drifting down. Oh, sorry, he did play, but didn't play that good. But when you look at his numbers, uh, you dive a little deeper. Gained three strokes on approach last week, so. What he do for the first time uh, for the, I guess, not necessarily the first time, but the worst time in 14 months, lost four strokes putting. That was his worst putting performance in 14 months since the WGC Mexico, which is not even a tournament anymore. There's already been a new tournament that's replaced. That's how long ago it's been since he's putted that bad. Um, look, I'm not worried about DJ Betgrass is, uh, I mean, slash Poa, where he tends to normally putt really well. And when I see him gaining four strokes ball striking last week at a hit and giggle, uh, all right, he's over his wedding, he's back, he's playing, he's grinding. And what's really stuck out to me about him, he, the three comp courses I've really looked at this week, I mean, everyone's talking about the Augusta comp course. We don't have to talk about how good he's been there. A winner, a second, a fourth. Guy has played Augusta great in his career. Um, you look at Houston. Houston, they normally play the Houston Open right before Augusta. Why? Because it's a comp course to each other. And he finished second there in 2020, the week before he won the Masters. Then you're also hearing some comparisons to Shinnecock, where they played the U.S. Open in 2018. He finished third. So he's popped at all the uh, comp courses I'm looking at. He uh, popped with his approach numbers last week. Uh, You know his off-the-tee game is going to be there, one of the best off-the-tee. We just got to get that putter rolling with him. He gets really streaky with the putter. Hasn't won in a while. I think Dustin Johnson gets back in the winner's circle this week and wins the PGA Championship. Dustin
0: Johnson, to go – for his third major championship i'm on it as well i think this price is a bargain at 30 to one it's been a wonky year for dj but i'd say the two bright spots that you can hone in are on are his top 10 at the players and his 12th place finish at the masters they're basically his two best finishes of the season what that tells me is playing well in good fields so here's my interesting tidbits on this since you obviously expanded upon enough of it already but in the last 24 rounds played on par 70 courses. DJ ranks third in the field in total strokes gained. And at those courses, he ranks number two in short game and eighth tee to green. Just something funky to think about there. And additionally in rounds with super windy conditions, the way fantasy national database categorizes this as 15 to 20 mile per hour wins or more DJ ranks 10th in the field in total strokes gained over the last 24 rounds. And he's first in strokes gained off the tee over that same span. So two nuggets that I found that I think that really correlate well to this course and the conditions that we're going to see this week. So DJ at 30 to one to me, sounds good. I can't believe you started your card there. It's not what I did. So I'm going to have to head back to the top of the board, not the top, but I couldn't, just like usual, I couldn't pull the trigger on anybody from the 10 to 20 range. So I really liked Justin Thomas at 16 or 18 to 1. I like Spieth at 18 to 1, but I'd rather save my money and build a better card. So I, I decided to start my card at 22 to 1 with Patrick Cantley. I don't think that you could find a better course fit than Patrick Cantlay this week. He's strong off the tee. He's a phenomenal iron player, great short game, both chipping and from the sand, and one of the best bent grass putters in the entire world. He ranks fifth in the field in putting on fast greens on fantasy national over the last fifty rounds, and in that in that same span of last fifty rounds, that's how I build my custom model. So instead of saying last fifty, just if you, if I talk about my model, that's what that means. He ranks number two overall in my model, right behind JT. But the main stats that uh, that stuck out to me is fifth in putting, eighth around the green, tenth off the tee, thirteenth ball striking, and twenty fourth in sand saves. Let's talk about recent form here with Patrick Cantley. I don't, there's one of the hottest players on on tour right now. He's only had eight starts so far this season, five top tens, including two runner ups. Everything to me just screams Patrick Cantley this week. One of the comp courses I don't think people are talking about, but I can see is Memorial. And we know he's won there. You know, of course, with a lot of sand, it's got an interesting design, you know, by Jack Nicholas. It's not an easy course. There's you're gonna have to be really good around the greens and out of the bunkers. I see a lot of the same thing. You don't have the same conditions that we'll have this week, but um, that also stuck out to me. And I just think that he's due to win a major soon. He's one of those guys that he just like John Rahm last year. We're like, once he get a win one, once he get a win one. I've been saying this about Xander and Cantley for a few years now, and. I think that his time is now. So, give me and I think a PGA makes a lot of sense for him to win his first major as well versus an Open or US Open or I mean the Masters I think makes sense but uh, I think a PGA makes a lot of sense based off of how he plays the game. So, give me Patrick Cantlay at 22 to 1. And while I'm at 22 to 1, and I'll let you take a drink of your beer, sit back, relax cuz I'm going to keep it rolling here, baby. And I'm going to keep go with at 22 to 1, Colin Morikawa a two-time major winner already, including a win at the PGA Championship in 2020 at Harding Park, Morikawa is simply mispriced. I don't see the reason he's 22 to one. It's an absolute bargain, similar to DJ at 30 to one. It's not like you can even argue that he's in bad form, like some of the other studs above this. Like you could say that about DJ, you cannot even say that about Morikawa. Just like Canley. he's had eight starts this year, five top tens, and on the entire year, including a top five finish at the Masters a few weeks ago. Things I love to see. He's the best iron player in the world, so he's always got a chance at any major, especially with how small these greens are going to be, very small greens, which makes you know hitting greens a lot more important. I think the biggest concern, of course, is his short game, but the one mitigating factor for short game modes is hitting fairways and hitting greens and avoiding scrambling. So coming off of gaining seven strokes on approach at the RBC – I love that. That means the irons are there. Uh, there's few worse things that I can think of investing in than calling Morikawa at a major. Callum Morikawa twenty-two to one. Can't lay twenty-two to one. DJ thirty to one. That's how I started my card. Ooh,
1: look at you! Just firing bullets left and right and center. A lot of numbers there, buddy. A lot of numbers there. You, uh, I mean, so
0: that's what I do. You got to find ways. Got to grind.
1: To each their own. So, all right. So now we move back on to me. looks like I'm going to be doing a lot of talking moving up here soon. But we will start, hmm. I mean, do I want to take – I know this was like one of the rare times that we actually uh, discussed our picks beforehand. So, I uh, actually know that we're on this guy. So, you know what, I'll do it anyways. At 45-1, to we are going with Brooks – Kapka. Uh, if you're a fan of the pod, first-time listener, long-time caller, you know Brooks, Kepka and majors, especially at a number like this. Just an auto bet. Just an auto bet, an auto bet, an auto bet. And it's for good reason. I mean, the guy just dominates majors. He does. Uh, bad at the Masters, of course. But what are the two majors he, he does dominate where he, his game actually fits a lot better than the Masters? It's at the PGA and at the U.S. Open. Why? He rips apart these tough courses, when I say rips apart, he obviously doesn't score amazing, but it fits his game better. He even said in his press conference today, he's like, yeah, I love these tournaments that are just a grind and where you got to will it out it's a lot better than I like those, the ones where you shoot 30 under. He's like, "Fits my game better overall. Um, and I agree. And at this number, just cause he hasn't played, uh, he was playing really good to start this year. What's one thing that let him down his putter again, referencing his, his press conference today, which really, um, got me on him officially was that he's like, Hey, for the first time in my life, I've, uh, I went back and went on YouTube and looked up my U S open and PGA, uh, wins and looked at my putting stance. And he's like, my putting, has just been a big problem all year long. It's been holding me back. I've been striking the ball really well. And I realized a few things and I've been, I've been tweaking them. And I feel like I'm pretty much back to that level that I was at, uh, uh putting wise in those majors. So like to hear the comments out of Brooks. Um, I mean, it all, it's really always going to come down to his iron play. Not the best iron player, but when he gets going, he can get going. If he can get just hitting fairways, just giving himself opportunities, and with if he gets that putting prowess back with that confidence, you know, no one's more confident overall in their game than Brooks Kepka on the golf course, anyway. So, uh, yeah, at, at forty-five to one, an absolute auto bet of Brooks Kepka for me.
0: Yeah, I'm on Brooksie as well. I think I'll bet him at any major that I can find him above thirty to one odds. It's major season, baby. Hashtag major season. So I have him at 40 to one reason being I, I snagged him at 35 to one when I saw it on Sunday. I thought that that was an unbelievable line to get on a four time major champion. And then I saw 45 today and snagged that. So at the two together, that is a 40 to one bet. I loved what he said as well. I listened to the presser. So that always excites me, but I think if you can look at his ball striking numbers, they're not even too bad as of late. He's gained strokes off the team, four of his last five tournaments and on approach in three of his last five, his issue has been a short game, both chipping and putting, which he discussed in that, that you just talked about, but it sounds like he's put the work in over the last few weeks to, to write the ship here. I do have my concerns about not confidence, but where his head is at. He, he was talking about, you know, wedding prep and, I think that he's at a point in his career, I don't know how much he cares about golf. It's probably backseat to his personal life, but majors are different. So that's where you could just throw that right out the window. This guy is a competitor. He's a bro. He wants to go out there and beat your ass. And those are the guys that I want to back. So when the conditions are tough and hard fields, Brooks excels. In 2021, Brooks missed the cut at the Masters. You know what he went on to do? to go runner-up at the PGA, and he was in contention on Sunday battling Phil. That same year, he finished fourth at the U.S. Open and fifth at the Open. In fact, he runnered up at the PGA last year after going miscut at the Masters and the miscut at the Byron Nelson, almost the same thing that he did walking into this year where he went miscut at the Masters and withdrew from the Byron Nelson. The only thing that's different from years past majors to this one He's usually 20 to 1 or below. And now we're getting him at 40 to 1 odds. Brooks kept it all day, any day.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, so, yeah, I got a few other guys in this range that I'm kind of looking at. I uh, got my eyes on Fitzpatrick. It's going to be a tough course. We're going to have to get up and down. You know, I'm going to love me some, Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, waiting for a little more drift. I was seeing 40s earlier, and I'm seeing a 45. If I get that 50, it's really going to be between him and Spieth or JT, probably depending on the number I can get over the next 24 to 36 hours. So with that said, I'll go to the next guy official on my card. And that is at 66 to one number. I haven't seen on him in a major in quite some time. And that is Daniel Berger, my man, Daniel Berger. uh, Really like him in the situation. I mean, Last time out was at the RBC Heritage, gained 6.6 on approach. He's been one of the best iron players over the last couple of years on the PGA Tour. Hasn't won since uh, the AT&T Pro-Am over in Pebble Beach back in February of 2021. So, it's been a while since he's got a win, but had a, gr- a lot of great finishes. Choked the Honda away just a few months ago. We were there to watch that. But we know he can get streaky with his, his putter. We know he's one of, he is the best bunker player over the, I think it was the last year, on the PGA Tour. The best bunker player, and there are a lot of bunkers here. Great chipper on this Bermuda grass. They grew up in in Florida. And, I mean, his only issue is he doesn't have length, but the more and more I read, the more I think that's going to be less of an issue since a lot of people are going to be uh, taking less clubs to find fairways. Uh, so a lot of people are going to have those long irons in, a lot of wedges um, on those par fives that you're going to be forced layups. I just think – Berger gets a hot putter. I mean, he's, he's due to contend in a major, really contend in a major and win a major. And at 66 to 1 odds, uh, I mean, that's just going to be an auto bet for me with Daniel Berger when he's in this type of form. So give me Daniel Berger, 66 to 1.
0: Didn't get 66. I found a 60, and I'm on Daniel Berger as well. Perplexing odds here for Berger, who hasn't missed a cut since February. Not really sure I understand the sixty to one here compared to some of the guys ahead of them. I think this should be a favorable course fit this week. He hasn't lost strokes off the tee in a single start this season, and he's gained on approach in four of his last six. I mean, he's a notoriously good short game player. You talked about it, and specifically out of the bunkers, he actually. I know you mentioned the last year being the best, but I do I do it by rounds over the last fifty rounds. Ranks fifteenth in the field in sand saves. So in that same span, he also ranks second in the field in approach, 10th in ball striking, and second around the greens altogether. And overall, that puts him 12th in my model. So th- that already stuck stuck out to me, and I went to go look at his odds in SL60. I was expecting like a 35. I was like, okay, yep, I like that. Um, and you talked about his ability to contend at a major. He has four top 10s in majors and two additional top 25. So he knows how to compete. This is no... You know, this isn't his first rodeo. He ranks second in the field in total strokes gained on par 70 tracks in the last 50 rounds. And I just was looking up like guys that play par 70 as well, because you got to realize for everybody out there, you know, 71s and 72s and even 73s, you know, some guys really get a lot of their strokes and and, like they gain a lot of their strokes on the par fives. And when you negate two or three or, whatever the case may be on the par fives and you add more par threes, it becomes a different ball game and guys that can compete on, you know, both or are better on, you know, just par seventies, meaning they're probably really, that tells me that they're really good both off the tee and on their approach play, because you're playing more par fours than anything. So uh, he ranks second in the fields on par seventy, So I like that. I think there's no reason he can't compete this week. I like burger as well. at 60 to one. Nice. Look at you, man. All over my picks. You're just telling me all day. I like it. I like it a lot. I love it. I love it. I mean, I just, if the Vegas wants to hand out DJs at 30 and Brooks is at 40 and burgers at 60, I don't, I mean, I don't know who wouldn't want to take those, but that's why we're here to kind of give you the reasons behind those and try to go slam your, slam your books while you can at those numbers because no, I, i'm already looking at locals given you know 20s on brooks and uh 18s on dj and you can find i saw burger was like 40 and it's like fucking incredible so if you, you know shop around to go find the opportunities out there because they're there
1: well, i like it i mean prominent offshore we're using hanging some beautiful numbers this week better than way better than market which is making i mean they know how to get me with some of these long shots and majors that have no chances of winning but i can make a case for them at their numbers so speaking of them let's get to them so after Berger, i just for now decided to load up on a couple long shots i don't i may add a few more we'll see one i'll start with just the most obvious one i'll go out of odds order because i can when you're gonna hang mito pereira at 175 to one when he gained five and a half strokes ball striking last week yeah uh at a course that's going to demand that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that. So, auto bet right there, Mito Pereira, longtime listeners, first time callers, don't have to hear much more than that. Next up, um, at 125 to 1, I'm going back to the well from last week. And we are going with none other than the sexiest man on tour, Adam Scott. Look, didn't have a great week last week. Why? Because what I talked about, what I needed out of him last week, which was pretty much everyone I betted on was I needed a really hot putter, and he gained less than a stroke putting and finished in 32nd. Okay, relatively boring. But what did you also need last week? A hot approach week. What do he do? Lost a half a stroke on approach. Abnormal for him. He gained two and a half off the tee. This off the tee game is getting a lot better recently, which you like to see. That's kind of what was his strength back in the day. He went through a little bit of a lull over the last couple of years with that. He gets that back, and, I mean, he flashes with those irons again. Like, that's what he did at the Players, three and a half. That's what he did at the Genesis, gained six. You can just get a hot approach week with that hot putter at 125 to one for Adam Scott. I don't, I can't recall all the time he's been over 100 to one in a major. So, um, I mean, I'm seeing like on some other books, he's 65 70. So, the book I'm looking at, they just pretty much asked me to take him. So, I'm going to take Adam Scott again at those long odds. Um, another guy that I'm taking at even longer odds and a guy that I've been on multiple times, but. Look at Gary Woodland at 175 to one. And look, the reason I, why I've been on him the last few weeks that he had played because he was just striping the ball. Approach numbers were out of this world. Um, just was lacking with the putter. What he went to the Wells Fargo. Look, I'm not. He lost four strokes on approach. I'm not going to hold that against him because Wells Fargo was a shit show. It was pouring. It was raining. Some guys just hate that shit. Don't get. I mean, I'm throwing that out the window because the previous seven tournaments he was sublime on approach so you're telling me at 175 to one a guy who i like in these conditions who's been flashing with a putter and approach numbers have been great um and guess what he's a major champion so yeah i'm gonna oh and last but not least not known for his putter even though it's streaky but easily his best surface putting on is bent grass so yeah give me gary woodland at 175 to one and brandon while i take a break have a nice drink because i've been talking a little bit here I know we're on one more guy on the same guy. So for the he, this is the fourth one on our cards we both have. I started off the last three, so I'll give you the t box for this one.
0: Well, I've got a guy before that, so I guess I'll go B to B, and then we will finish it up with our outrights and continue on with the show. So at 200 to 1 odds, I'm going to go with Justin Rose here, a one-time major champion, U.S. Open champion. But little to be excited about here. (laughs) But at these odds, there have been some sparks that tell me Rosie can compete this week. For starters, the metrics tell me that the wedges and the putter are there. He ranks 13th in my model in proximity from 75 to 100 yards and 17th in putting basically over the last 50 rounds. He's notoriously played the PGA Championship as well as pretty much all the majors extremely well His four top 10 finishes at the PGA championship in his career. In fact, he also has a 12th place finish at the PGA in 2007. Why did I bring that up? That major was played at Southern Hills country club where we're at this week. So he he's old enough to have played the tournament that tiger won in 2007. He knows, I mean, he obviously they redesigned it in 2019. It's going to be different, but, Familiar with the area, familiar with the, the course setup for the most part. That excites me. Justin Rose, there's not much to be excited about, but I'm trying to find ways to get excited. I was just going down the odds board, saw it 200 to 1, said, Hey, where's the board? Where's the bullseye? Give me a dart. It's worth a throw. And then to finish up my card at 275 to 1, it's Kevin bleeping. Nah. Decent course fit here. He's a solid wedge player, phenomenal around the greens and a great putter. He's hitting the ball extremely well. He's coming off of gaining seven strokes on approach at the Mexico open and four at the RBC in his last two tournaments. He has two top 25s at the PGA championship in his career. It's not saying too much, but at 275, you got to find the positives where you can. So I don't really have much else to say. I just like his short game. I think that if he could just kind of find some fairways this week, that he's going to, give himself an opportunity. If you can get the putter rolling, we know he can putt. Well, he could walk him in. I don't know if he could do it at a major in this type of field, but at 275 to one, certainly, I mean, honestly, for everybody out there, like five, 10 bucks on it to win a few thousand. Why the fuck not? So I think that's a great number.
1: For sure. I'm um, on Kevin Nye as well at that number. Absolute no brainer. Ben grass, his best putting surface. He can get red hot. and approach has been out of his world the last two um, games. <laughs> his last two games. His last two uh, events. 6.8, 4.2 on approach. Just so The Mexico Open bled four and a half on the greens. Everyone knows how streaky he is. And most important this week, I think, around the green. And Kevin Noss, first on tour around the green overall. Um, best around the green player on the PGA Tour. So like you said, we can just get some of the, just lose a stroke or two off the tee. Dial in with those other stuff. Get a hot putter. I like Kevin Nas chances. at such a big, long shot.
0: Is that the, the end of your card?
1: Yeah. I mean, again, as always, I've only allocated like 75%, even though that was five guys, three of them are long shots. So actually it was six guys. So, but I still, uh, when you take 125, 175, 300, I still got a little room to wiggle with. Uh, so I'm going to add probably one more or either a speed or like a, uh, Fitzpatrick, and then probably one more long shot and call it a card. So you know where to find me.
0: All right. That's going to wrap it up for our outright plays. Let's move into our 72 hole matchups. I was one on one last week. So let's just dive right into my plays this week. I'm going with Dustin Johnson over Victor Hovland. He's an underdog in, in this matchup at plus 120. As is the narrative for all of my matchups this week, I want to fade. Terrible short game players. I just want guys that are giving themselves a chance to basically play themselves out of the tournament. And I think that Victor Hovland is probably the number one guy to do. So he's literally ranks bottom. I think he ranks bottom five in the entire field this week in around the green play. So at plus money, you're giving me DJ over him. I'm going to take that. So I'll take Dustin over Victor. Victor honestly has never really even competed at a major. It's another thing to think about DJ absolutely dominates. Second, Cam Young over Keegan Bradley. Continue with the narrative and Cam Young honestly is his game fits really well here. He's really great off the tee, phenomenal with pretty much his entire game except putting. And I guess you could say the same about Keegan except he's not nearly as long as Cam Young and his around the green play is not as good either. So I'm going to take Cam Young at minus 127. Sergio Garcia over Jason Kokrak. Sergio the very top of my metrics in both putting and around the green play. Yeah. I said, putting, I know kind of crazy. He's kind of turned the corner there, similar to Adam Scott, but specifically with his chipping and he's great off the tee as well. Versus co crack. When I looked at the numbers, he is equivalent to Victor Hovland in chipping and sand saves. So bye-bye. I don't want anything to do with that uh, as an underdog as well. Give me Sergio and co crack minus minus one ten. Taylor Gooch over Matt Kuchar at a pick'em at minus one fifteen. I don't understand this line whatsoever. Kuchar short off the tee. His approach plays been dog shit this year. His around the green play isn't good. He's basically been saved by his putter all year. These greens are going to be really tough. Taylor Gooch ranked at the top of my model and everything. I'm looking for really good with his long approaches. Really good with his wedges. Really good ball striking. He's not the best putter in the world, but he's good off the tee as well. I think and his around the green play is just fine. He's mediocre. I'll take that out of pick them all day. And then Luke List ranked about 10th in my model over Tringali. I don't know why I forgot Tringali's first name for a second, but I'm just going to ride with it. Um, at minus 115, Luke List ranked really high in my model this week for all the ball striking metrics. He's not even terrible around the greens. He just can't putt. But Tringali has the same issues, except he's not nearly as good around the greens. And guess what? If around the green play doesn't work, I'm not – I wouldn't say I'm, I'm fucked because anything can happen. Like, any guy could just get hot with a certain part of their game. But I just – I highly doubt that it's not going to factor in and I'm going to ride that that wave. So those are my five matchups.
1: Nice, man. Nice. We got one that is the same, so I'll start off with that. And actually, I only did five this week too. Major, a lot of volatility, and of course, that I wasn't really uh, – I don't know enough about our confidence in. <clears throat> so I, I as well took DJ over Hovland plus 125. I know we're on the wrong end of the wave there, but um, look, I'm going to try to pick on Hovland on a course where you're going to have to chip the ball. So that's easy. Spieth minus 115 over Colin Morikawa. Sorry, Brandon, not a fade on you. More of a backing of Jordan Spieth and, and uh, a backing of having him in the preferable wave. He's in the a.m. p.m., is in the p.m. a.m., I think that's going to give me a nice little advantage with uh, Jordan Spieth, who tends to, when he's hot, he trends. So when he's won won his majors is when he trends. When when he's hot, he's hot. So give me Spieth over Morikawa. Give me Fitz minus 130 over Corey Connors. Um, Both of them are in the late wave. Corey Connors, I like picking on on him at courses where you're going to have to chip and hit the ball to the sand because he's really bad at that as well. Uh, Give me that. Give me Max Homa. Where's my diploma? Minus 115 over Lord Terrell Hatton. Hatton is just on my to pick on list right now. Um, Don't like him at this venue. Don't like the state of his game. Normally relies on his approach game, and his approach game has been poor. Give me that. And then last but not least, give me a little bit of baby swag. Swag. Anurban Lahiri, minus 105 over a Brandon Grace. Lahiri's been in great form, playing fantastic. Just had a baby yesterday. Congratulations, Anurban. Congratulations to your wife's name, which I'm sure I cannot uh, pronounce. And I'm taking him over a Brandon. Guys, why Brandon Grace, bad form. And I just told you amazing things about Lahiri. So uh, I got those five matchups, my five-pack for the PGA Championship.
0: Farmers five pack for everybody out there. All right. Speaking of the alliteration on the Fs, it's time for our first round leaders. And unlike most years, I actually, or most years, most events where I typically don't give a fuck about AM PM. I did see that the PM wave is going to be in a bit of a flurry this year on Thursday. So I did take all AM wave guys. And I know that typically with first round leaders, a lot of guys out there in the industry like to take long shots, you know, try to maximize profits and a little less exposure. I don't give a shit about that. I just want to take the guy that's going to win. So I'm going to start it off with Cam Rin Smith, Cam Smith at 30 to one. I mean, if he's in good, good conditions, I don't think a course could fit any better for someone. I just couldn't pounce on him this week as an outright with the other guys in the area that I liked. So Cam at 30 to one. Hideki 35 to one. The guys in unbelievable form. Played really well last week at the Bayern. I this we've seen him go extremely low on Thursdays. We saw the players in 2020, absolute domination. So he knows how to go low at tough courses. Sam Burns at 45 to one, another guy that just can get extremely hot, especially with the putter. So I like that. Um, I wrote down Hideki twice for some reason. I don't know why I fucked that up, but I took Siwoo at 70, 70, to, one, 70 to 1. He puts really well on bank grass. So I like him for that reason. Oh, instead of Hideki, I was trying to say Tony Finau at 50 to 1. I was looking at his metrics. He's actually unbelievable around the greens, both in the sand and chipping. And I was like, surprised by that. He's unbelievable. His off the tee numbers are great for a guy that, honestly, if you go look at his numbers, he doesn't even hit the ball that far. Technically, on the season, Jordan Spieth outdrives him on an average driving distance per you know, average per average on average so i like uh, fe now, but some only so much you can handicap first round leader i just think those guys are in the morning waves that gave me good numbers and they're all household names that can go extremely low on a given day
1: wow sorry i just uh shocker al horford out with proto uh health protocols out tonight so just that uh threw me for a loop and
0: marcus smart let's go i'm gonna go
1: take the heat Fuck. Wow yeah that is uh good news for your Miami heat so um but yeah, as I look through this, look, I have a simple handicap today, and it is none other than I'm just going to take one golfer because I know that one golfer who's going to be the first round leader that's Mito Pereira 101 first one off on Thursday morning. Give me Mito Pereira that's it yeah, I one and done I know he's going to do it like I'm just I have faith in him going off early, posting a four under. I think
0: that's going to be enough. He gets the job done. All right. I could dig it. I was looking at some props, potential make miss cuts. Just to, it's not my favorite thing. And I definitely am not a top, you know, international type or ethnicity type, whatever you call it, heritage type guy, or, you know, top, you know, Irish or whatever. Those aren't my favorite bets. But I did find a Jason Day to make the cut at minus 200. And I pounced on that. I actually really like that bet a lot. Jason Day is coming in an unbelievable form. He's contended in his last two events. The main thing about Jason Day, he's a phenomenal bunker player. He's great with the short game and he putts super well. He's won the PGA Championship before, plays well at the PGA almost every single year. And I'm getting him to make the cut at minus 200 where the top 70 make the cut. Yeah, I like Jason Day. Minus 200 to make the cut. It's a little prop I threw in there. Anything stick out to you? I saw Tiger was minus 150 to make the cut. Honestly, was debating taking missed the cut at plus 120. Wow. This isn't going to be a good – I mean, after the short game we saw at the Masters, I don't know. Is that a month? A month. It's nothing. I mean,
1: he said he feels a lot better now. So, but
0: I mean, he barely made the cut, and it was top fifty at the Masters. That's my point. I mean, the field's smaller, so
1: yeah. I, I wouldn't want to be rooting against him. That's all. But to each their own. I mean, you really think he's going
0: to come out and say, "Oh, I feel worse than I did at the Masters"? No. You could say, oh, "I feel about the same." Yeah. I don't know. All right. So, nothing on props for you. Well, That's going to wrap it up for golf picks with the plot mix. PGA Championship 2022. Got a lot of outrights, got some matchups out there for you. Gave you all the insight you need to know to go out there and make educated decisions to win some money in your pocket. Good luck, everybody. Good luck.